This is the McKinsey Podcast, where we help you make sense out of our world's toughest business challenges. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucia Rahili. And I'm Roberta Fasaro. If you only rotate towards performance marketing, you're going to wake up with a brand that hasn't been nurtured and hasn't been watered. That's McKinsey senior partner, Kelsey Robinson. She's making the case for a full funnel marketing strategy, which can give leaders a more nuanced view of their marketing activities. After, McKinsey senior partner, Alex Schursigar, talks about making a tough call on a high-profile project from our Rookie Moment series. Kelsey, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me again. So we're talking about marketing and resilience And it seems as though when times are tough and budgets are under review, that marketing is always one of the first teams to get hit. Why is that, Kelsey? Yeah, you're right. Marketing is always one of the first few on the chopping block, so to speak. And a big driver of that is because when leaders and companies start to worry about demand, or worry about how much demand is there, is it contracting, time's getting tough, then they often quickly think, okay, well, if there's less demand to get, we'll spend less to try to get it. And it's a really consistent behavior and phenomenon we see across companies. When marketing is free of those pressures and those perceptions, what can it do for a company? Yeah, I think when marketing is at its best, it is actually a growth driver. And CMOs, so chief marketing officers, when they really realize that, they do two things. They take a growth mindset and they set bolder aspirations for marketing. And then second, they recast marketing as a revenue driver versus a cost center, which is a really important kind of flip. Like they shift it to be a growth function. And That also means that the CMO has to do things differently. They usually have to apply a different level of rigor and almost this kind of CFO or investor mindset to marketing. They have to make the most with what they've got. So really make sure whatever budget they have, whether it's high or low or the same as last year, how do they make sure it's working as hard as possible? And then lastly, I think the highest performing kind of marketing organizations and marketers are also thinking about what the next generation growth drivers are. And so that might be new approaches like full funnel marketing or, you know, new ways to actually earn and think about media dollars like commerce media. Can you share an example for our listeners of a company that's managed to do many of these things or or that has doubled down on marketing and how it has managed to beat out competitors. Sure. And you mentioned at the beginning, tougher economic times. And I think it is exactly in those moments of uncertainty where you actually need growth. (laughs) So companies that actually double down during those times usually achieve above market growth. What we've seen is that companies who do really focus on growth, and usually in marketing and even in functions beyond that, they're growing 150 percentage points higher than their sector peers who don't do that, right? And you follow those companies over time, and 70% of them are actually in the top quintile. And so this mindset of growth, both in marketing and beyond, is really critical to long-term performance. You know, there was a travel company that I think just made the decision not to play it safe. So in one of these moments of uncertainty, they did a few things. They doubled down on branding. 
they took a really surgical look at what parts of their investments in marketing were underperforming. And this was during a time where, you know, the travel sector was going through a big slow and a lot of disruption. And instead, they forged ahead. They launched the biggest campaign they had in a decade. And what actually happened was they were far outperforming peers, and actually they continue to. It also sounds a little bit like an example of a CMO and or an organization that developed an investor mindset, which is a management approach that I know McKinsey has explored in lots of different ways, in lots of different functions. How does an investor mindset apply to the world of the CMO? Yeah, like you think of Mad Men era or decades ago, that level of rigor and that kind of CFO mindset was not what marketing was about, right? But increasingly, it has become that. And part of that is because there are channels that are more measurable and we can actually track through to the dollar on what it's motivating in terms of demand. But I think the CFO mindset is about, you know, ruthlessly evaluating your spend across the portfolio and finding where it's high performing and you should actually lean into it and allocate more, finding where it's underperforming, and then actually eliminating inefficient spend, right? And so that might be certain markets, it might be certain channels, it might be certain creative, right? But really taking a look at that. And that's what a CFO would do. They would look at the whole enterprise, you know, am I allocating my dollars in the most creative and efficient way for this organization to kind of keep it on a sustained and high growth path? And what we've seen is when you take that CFO rigor, you pretty quickly find 10 to 20% savings, almost any company, right? That's the other thing. Back to the idea of we don't have to necessarily cut the budget, but if I get in and really figure out and treat it like a CFO would their investment portfolio, I could take that 10 to 20% and go invest it in new customer acquisition. On that point about reallocating resources against presumably higher value opportunities, what's the thought process like for a CMO versus a CFO? Does it involve quick decisions or deliberate decisions? Or is there an example? I think it's all about data-driven decisions. An example of a decision might be, we've been spending a lot on a campaign that feels right from a brand perspective, right? But maybe we haven't actually seen it perform evenly across markets. You know, I had a, I had a client that did this that said, you know what, Region X is not going to get the funds next cycle. And it could be for a host of reasons. It could be the company's competitiveness there. It could be the fact that the media costs just in that market are higher. It could be the consumers there just think differently about our brand. But for whatever reason, it's not working in Market X. We can maybe later test into how to make that work. But for now, let's not waste that money, right? Because right now, it's just not meeting the return profile that the rest of our spend is. Kelsey, you and McKinsey have defined full funnel marketing as an approach that combines two types of strategies. The first one being traditional brand building, like through TV ads. And then there's performance marketing or data-driven measures of online activity. Why is full funnel marketing so important? So, you know, I mentioned the Mad Men era earlier, right? And I always think of that as the traditional brand building time, like the marketing of your. And I think what has happened over the last, I would say, 20 years, 15, is marketing has developed a little bit of a split personality. You've got traditional brand building and performance marketing, kind of everything that came out of search engine marketing, you know, social retargeting, the performance marketing is so measurable, 
I know right now whether it actually motivated a sale or what it did, and I can track that through. And what's happened for a lot of companies is this kind of split notion is really inhibiting how companies think about how the whole funnel works together. And some organizations have really gone as far as, you know, the CFO mindset. I just talked about how great it can be. But the downside of that mindset is if you only think about immediate ROI, you're never going to build your brand. (laughs) You're never going to actually generate demand versus what I say, capture demand, right? Performance marketing is really great about capturing demand that's kind of already close. And so this notion of full funnel is how do we actually think top to bottom and prove with data and rigor that everything from brand building to that last inch or last foot of demand capture matters. And what's important is to also have some patience and then to back some data up for some of the things that are higher funnels. Let me give you an example. You go and spend on a, it could be a brand building campaign in radio and TV. And then you compare that to spending on branded terms on search engine marketing. So like a specific product. The latter, if we go by that term, I can show and prove the ROI it has on it. Now, the former, the kind of TV, the radio ad might be great. I might be entering a new market. I might need to build my brand in a, you know, in a region or with a different set of consumers. But it's going to take me a little while to prove that that awareness, those brand equities are building up and that they're going to translate to demand. And so a lot of the work we're doing in Full Funnel is figuring out how do you start to create a measurement ecosystem that allows you to start to track some of the leading indicators of that upper funnel and even do things like match market testing to show, hey, I went and I spent in this city and I didn't spend in this city. When I look at that for the next two months and prove that actually that mid and upper funnel spend truly does matter to the company. It's just you can't measure it immediately as you know you might want to, right? And I think enlightened CMOs and CFOs who understand this you know, they have the patience and they understand they need both in the mix. Because if you only rotate towards performance marketing, you're going to wake up with a brand that hasn't been nurtured and hasn't been watered. So the practice of monitoring against time horizons, different indicators of success and failure, I imagine it would be easier if you're taking a full funnel approach because you're seeing everything, you're sort of intentionally taking the holistic view. But it also sounds like that might be kind of difficult too. Yeah. I think it's easier once you're there. (laughs) And what I mean by that is actually figuring out and showing the organization through a series of tests and indicators and time, the value of mid and upper funnel. That's not easy. There's no silver bullet tool. You know, many, many companies have media mix models, for example, which are great. That is one tool, but they don't answer everything about this mid and upper funnel. And so the challenge is, is doing that full funnel marketing well means you have to have an integrated measurement system that has geo-based tests, incrementality, media mix models. That's hard. <laughs> and it takes patience to run those tests, explain the results to your the other executives, and then come up with a plan based on them. And then every so often retest and make sure that's still the case. So I think you're right. I think in concept, it's easier, but in practice, it's actually harder. Interesting. And I did want to also go back to a form of advertising that you'd mentioned earlier, this notion of commerce media, which according to the article that we just published is expected to deliver more than $100 billion in revenue 
to U.S. companies by the end of 2026. How does commerce media work, Kelsey? So commerce media, it's effectively a paradigm shift in digital advertising in terms of how the ad is bought and how it's optimized. You know, Amazon has had a kind of commerce media network for a while, right? And effectively, they have taken the kind of scale of the site visitors and the intentional shoppers they have and provided the capability for a third-party seller or a first-party brand to actually advertise to get their product more front and center in front of a shopper. And so instead of it only being about you know, purchasing a search ad or a social ad and directing someone to their site, they've said, okay, I have them here. Now I actually know a lot about these consumers. And so I could talk to, you know, vacuum brand XYZ and tell them, you know, I know a lot about this shopper and what they're looking for. And I can help you put your product in front of the most primed shopper, right? And so it's a little bit of just a shift in terms of where the ad is happening, the data it's using, But effectively what it does is it helps connect ad spend more directly to the purchaser and improves ad targeting and it helps give better audience insights to the brands. Are there specific challenges associated with implementing commerce media? Like a large organization like Amazon, that's sort of one application, one use case, one story. But are there big challenges associated with deploying commerce media? I wouldn't say that they are big challenges, but it requires a business case and then a build. And so, for example, if you were a cross-product retailer and you had lots of different products and you sold products to many different types of shoppers, there's definitely a, a potential for commerce media for you. And we've seen more and more retailers are starting to offer you know, commerce media networks. And if a company can actually think about what can I offer to my, my suppliers, what can I offer to my shoppers? How much could that be worth? And then what would I need to build to actually make it a reality? Because the build does include technology. It includes, you know, the ability to kind of sell and service with those who are buying the ads, right? It includes upfront engineering work to actually put the ads in the right places through the shopping experience. And then it requires data connectivity and and real thinking about data privacy too. What data can I use and when to actually make those ads more targeted? So Kelsey, I know we're, we're running short on time. I wanted to close with a question that gets back to where we started, you know, CMOs and CMO budgets being cut during times of uncertainty. If I'm a CMO who needs to make the case against cuts to my budget, what can I say to senior leaders to signal that marketing is actually a critical part of the recovery and long-term resilience for the organization? There's probably three things I would do, and they'd all more or less be linked to this idea we've been talking about today of the investor mindset. So the first thing I would do is I would actually bring in some of the external data around consumers. It's uncertain times, but consumers are still spending in pockets and we can't miss out on some of the demand that's there and still growing. So I'd I'd probably actually point to some of those external indicators. And the second thing I do is I would bring data to show really clearly, here are the parts of marketing today that are really driving value for the business. And a way to do that is to, you know, take some channels, take specific examples of, you know, this store opening, this type of campaign, where it's almost undeniable in terms of the data that shows the true return that it's driving for the business. 
And then the third thing I do would probably be to ask for a little bit of a plan together forward. And I would probably talk about this notion of kind of fund and fuel, right? Which is, hey, let us go and really do the rigorous detailed assessment of where our spend's going and where there are pockets of opportunity. And let's come back with a number where we feel like the dollars are not being spent as well as they could be. And then let's talk about what's the best place for those dollars. Should that be dropped to the bottom line for the company? Or is there a way for me to actually reinvest those in some of the high-performing channels I showed you into customer acquisition? And I'd try to create a spirit of partnership there um, because sometimes the the ask for finding those dollars is still going to come. <laughs> the question is, you know, how can we also think about the best use of those dollars for the corporation. This is such solid guidance, Kelsey. It's always great to have you on the show. So thanks again for joining. Well, thank you so much for having me again. Putting dollars to good use was on McKinsey senior partner Alex Schursigar's mind when he noticed the project was all talk and little action. So after a couple of great years in New York, I am transferred to London. And I was now ready to lead a team. And we were doing this very exciting tech startup with lots of different people involved from across Europe. Very exciting topic, very exciting problem. And I was fully into leading this team. And we were doing some fantastic work. There were lots of, you know, initial great reviews and momentum. But then we sat back and realized about six, eight weeks had passed and there were great presentations. But where was the output? And we sat down at a team meeting and said, listen, we can't just be producing PowerPoint, right? There needs to be something that happens after all of this. And we then realized that actually all of these people who'd come together were not pulling with a common purpose. They had no particular goal. They were just talking to each other through McKinsey. And even though this was my first time leading in a new market, I remember going and talking to my senior partner at the time and saying to him, look, I'm very concerned that this is going to be a project with lots of activity, but no impact. And you know what he did? It still inspires me to this day. He called the CEO and said, look, I'm actually going to stop this team because I don't think you're going to have impact. And I'm not here to just put a team on the ground if you're not going to have results from it. And the CEO was shocked. I mean, this was very high profile. It was a big tech venture at the time, front page news when this venture was announced. And I'm still deeply grateful to that senior partner because he stood up for what was right. He was willing to walk away from what was a very high profile engagement because the conditions for impact were not in place. It was a lesson that's really carried for me, even to this day. I always ask myself, my clients and my team, are we ensuring the conditions for impact are in place? Are people aligned? Are they willing to act? Are they motivated to act? Are they going to pull together or pull apart? And for me, that's been the greatest lesson I learned in my first time as a team leader, that you as a team leader have the right to ask that question and your colleagues will take that forward to ensure we're set up properly. 
Thanks so much for listening to the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Lucia Rahili. And I'm Roberta Fasaro. Find us on McKinsey.com. We'll have a transcript of this episode up shortly. And download the McKinsey Insights app where you can find this podcast and other helpful content updated daily. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to leave a rating and a review. We'll see you in two weeks. 